Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. There are many things in my life where I can reflect back and I remember the first time I heard them. I remember the first time I heard my child laugh, you know, that giggle that kind of bubbles up in them. I remember the first time my wife told me that she loved me. Those sounds, those remembrances that you have that are precious and you kind of lock them away and you can reflect back to them years and in my case, decades now. And it's something that's certainly precious. And when you think about investigations, we rely heavily on eyewitness statements. We talk about it all the time. You talk about it in the news, you talk about it in courts. I talk about it to my students that I teach at Jacksonville State. But there's a different kind of witness 
that you don't, pardon the pun, hear much about, and those are ear witnesses. Today, we're going to discuss a case that actually begins with an ear witness. Today, we're going to chat about the brutal homicide of Brenda Powell. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. Dave, do you remember Precious Sounds? Do you remember those things in your life that you can reflect upon, just kind of close your eyes, and for a moment you kind of drift back, and you can indwell that moment because it's this thing that it just really anchors in your soul for whatever reason, uh, part of who we are as humans. And it, they're joyful. Of course, there's a lot of bad things we hear too, right? As you were talking about those joyful noises, the children in particular, you know, we all remember our kids and we have memories. We picture them, but we also, we hear them. It's one of the things that does leave us sometimes when a loved one passes is the sound of their voice. Why recordings are so helpful, having that recording of a loved one's voice. But in this particular case with Sidney Powell, Joseph Scott Morgan, there was a description given in this case that I had actually never heard before. And it was describing something that you and I and everybody else have, we've talked about and probably have said it. If you've ever played a game and you got out of breath or whatever, you said, I had the wind knocked out of me. That actually comes into play today. And the shocking part of it, Joe, is I'd never actually thought about it until we were researching this case. And that phrase actually came out. It's a huge part of what we're going to be talking about today with regard to Sidney Powell, at the time 19 years old, college student, and her 50-year-old mother, who was an angel. When you talk about trying to find you know, about a person and you think even when they're the victim, maybe they have some bad stuff in their life, this is a person that when you look up her background and people talk about her, nobody says anything bad. Brenda Powell worked as a child life specialist in the hematology oncology unit at Akron Children's Hospital. For 28 years, she worked with children with cancer. That's a special person, Joe Scott Morgan. Yeah, it, it truly is, Dave. There are parents, there are stories out there about her. You know, once her case kind of bubbled up in the media and people began to make comment about it. And one of the things that really strikes a chord is the fact that there were parents who had remembrances of her. One in particular comes to mind where the parents said she was there at the last moment my child took that that last breath and kind of drifted off. And, you know, the thing about people that work in oncology in particular, if you've never been around an oncology unit or those individuals that occupy that space, it takes a special breed of person. You know, they say that about medical legal death investigation and people that work in the ME's office and coroner's offices. But with oncology, your goal is a therapeutic environment. You're hoping for great outcomes. But if you're a professional working in that environment, you have to understand what the realities are. And sometimes the families are not prepared for that. You have to shoulder that burden many times, I think, as a worker in that environment. And, and because you see it played out in front of you all the time, right? You have patients that succeed with their treatment and you have others that succumb to these horrible diseases. And the families are not fully aware that that might happen. But Brenda Powell was. She was a true caregiver in that sense, that she would take time to be with these families and be with these, these patients as well. And that's why, as we were putting this together and talking about her, 
she was that person. She was that special person. You mentioned the sounds, hearing things. And today, we're actually going to be talking about what an ear witness is, because one of the most powerful parts of the testimony of what actually happened to Brenda Powell was not actually seen. It was heard by people on the phone. And that ear witness was able to describe something that we've all used, that getting the wind knocked out of you. And the description she gives on the stand was just remarkable. Never have I heard that before. But to get down to the nitty gritty here, Joe, as a professor in college, I imagine you've had a student or two who did not keep up with their academics the way they needed to. There actually, when you apply to college, people don't realize that there's more than just board scores that go into determining whether or not a student will be successful academically. But they have a pretty good idea based on the grades they got in high school and the board scores they did get, whether it's the SAT or the ACT, whatever. They have a way of determining this person, they're going to be borderline successful. That's a tough thing to choose because we all want our children to be brilliant college graduates and all that. Not everybody's a college student, you know, capable. And that's what happened to Sydney Powell. When she got to school, she pretty much was on academic probation almost from her first semester. Actually, I think it was from her first semester. From her first weeks in college, Sydney Powell was not academically keeping up. She hid this information from her parents. And in doing so, the parents did not know how bad things were for her academically. To the point where, as a matter of fact, her dad is trying to look up information through the portal online to find out when his next payment is due for the school, and he can't get in. He's like, it's not letting me in, Sid. What's going on? And she goes, oh, it's just a mess up. I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it, Dad. And that was the first inkling. Wait a minute. I can't log into your portal. I can't find out what I owe. Sydney covered for a while, but not long enough. She actually had been not just academically sus put on suspension. She actually had been booted. She had been kicked out because of academics. So she was not a student anymore, and she hadn't told her parents that. Now, I don't know about you, Joe, but that's going to be a pretty bad conversation. Yeah, 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 it, it is. It's one thing if your child is failing because people fail and they fail in the college, collegiate environment. And, you know, when kids are at home and the parent is standing over the shoulder or you have those parents that are the first people that are going to run down to the central office or the principal's office and complain about something, that disappears at the university level. That no longer exists. So then it becomes totally the responsibility of the student to attend to what has to be attended to. Some people are prepared and others are not. And just, yeah, hey, look, just because you do well on a test does not, I don't think that it's a perfect indicator of how you're going to do once you get within that environment academically, because all the social stuff comes into play there, because you can be you know, you can be an outstanding student, I think, in a very controlled environment, maybe at high school. But once you walk through those uh, through those doors at a university, if you're not prepared emotionally, you can train wreck anything that's that's on the horizon for you. And so, yeah, people want answers. And this is no community college she's going to. This is Mount Union. And Mount Union is a private college. And so 
even if you're aided through scholarship money and anything, you're still going to come out of pocket for things. And that was the case with the father here. He wants to know where his money's going and why can't he get access to it? Why can't he make payments, you know, and what's going on? And for a time, you can kind of patch it up. If you're a student, oh, you know, they're always having, I don't know, computer problems or whatever. It's on them. But sooner or later, you're going to try to figure things out and it gets to a boiling point. And you have this happen with any kind of violent crime. Uh, there will be a boiling point that occurs in in some type of interpersonal relationship where too much stuff has gone on unattended to or the perception of somebody where all of a sudden the world, the environment just kind of explodes and you have these really bad outcomes. And that, that's certainly the case here with uh, with Powell. Very bad outcome. Yeah, I think you're understating it just a tad, Joe. It's I mildly understated that. Yes, I have to say. And yeah, and it's many times they're reactive events. In this case, I think this is an indication when you begin to take into account everything that happened in this event, it was reactive. And I, that's why this phone call that was made by Brenda Powell to the registrar's office, perhaps to the university to try to get information. That's why this phone call plays into this case so critically. And it was actually kind of a conference call that you had the dean of students, you had the registrar, you had everybody involved. They're all on the phone because the Powell's want answers. What's going on? They've been told something by Sydney that they now are finding out might not be exactly true. And that's when, and this is the part that I'm kind of, I'm still trying to wrap my hands around this. Sydney Powell somehow had convinced herself that she could walk on eggshells and get away with this, but she had to know her parents were going to find out. At some point in time, mom and dad are going to find out and I don't have an answer. And that's where the Powell's, they're no idiots. You know, her mom and dad are not stupid. And when they, when mom gets on the phone with the school, they're telling her, well, your daughter's not enrolled anymore. That's why you can't get in through the portal. She's not actually a student here anymore. She was suspended. And when her grades didn't improve, we had to kick her out. And Sydney knows what's going on. She knows mom is on the phone with the school. She knows her mom is finding out. Now, the school people, they're on the phone hearing what happens. And that is they hear a loud thud, a loud thud, and then screaming or screaming and a loud thud. Because of what is taking place, there's a little confusion. Did I hear the scream or the thud or the thud or the scream? But it was a bunch of both. And that's where our story begins is with the registrar and dean of students uh, at Mount Union on the phone with Brenda Powell and them hearing sounds they haven't heard before. Yeah, it's one thing for me in a collegiate environment as college professor, but as former death investigator to be faced with this. But can you imagine you live in this, uh, we call it the ivy covered walls, these in this academic environment, because let's face it, it's a bubble. This is the last thing you expect to hear. But what they were hearing, Dave, was the sound of an iron skillet striking the head of Brenda Powell. And it, it was at that moment in time, she began to die at the hands of her daughter.
I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and a big shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing free samples. I live in an area where allergies are a day-to-day issue, and finding an over-the-counter option for relief is like the holy grail. I use Astapro, and I strongly recommend you give it a try. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray, and it's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays can take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Years ago, when I got out of my field full-time, I was diagnosed with PTSD. I had sleep disorder. I had depression. And for me, I had to turn to someone to talk to, somebody that could aid me along the path to healing, to restore me to that person that maybe I was at one point in time, to make me better for not just myself, but my family. If you're thinking about therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can do this anytime that you like. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com bags today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com. That's Better, H-E-L-P.com slash bags. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are organized and disorganized crimes. We know that for a fact. This is something that has been studied over and over again when it comes to criminal behavior, particularly as it applies to homicides. 
And part of disorganization is that you show up and you really don't have a plan. It's more of a reaction as opposed to being proactive about something. And that's a horrible thing to say, but you have planners, you have people that are going to perpetrate crimes where they lay everything out before them, including the tools, the horrible tools they're going to utilize. But Dave, in this particular case, it would seem that Sidney Powell used what was at her disposal. And it includes both a rusty frying pan and uh, also a steak knife, Dave kind of tells you where they were standing we used to have a a phone like hanging in the kitchen or whatever and i'm wondering if they were on that kind of a house phone or not because of the fact of the frying pan and the knife now are we are dealing with like a, a heavy duty frying pan yeah i've seen I, no i've seen images of it and it was presented and there's actually oxidation on it like an iron skillet yeah, it is an iron skillet, and you can see rust that has built up on it. And that's you can't judge the cleanliness of a pan by that because cast iron skillets in particular will rust, particularly if you don't use them. And the thing about it is, uh, I'll give you for an instance, my wife and I both have cast iron pans in our kitchen. And guess what the origin of those pans were, Dave? They actually came down from our grandmothers. I have one from my grandmother. My wife has one from her grandmother. That doesn't necessarily mean that we use them, but we hold on to these things because they're something from our past. And they're kind of buried back there. And after a period of time, they'll begin to oxidize. And in this particular case, you can actually see some of the rust within the interior of the pan itself. So it gives you an idea that this is something that's been possessed. It's in that kitchen and it belongs to this family. It's not like someone went out and purchased this for this specific attack. It's something, it is a weapon of opportunity. And we see this played out all the time, Dave. A frying pan like a Teflon pan is just one step above tinfoil in a lot of cases. Pretty lightweight. But an iron skillet, they're heavy. They're something you better be prepared to hold on to. And as a weapon, I'm thinking it's pretty good in terms of its because of its size and it's it's not going to bend. It's going to attack. No, it's not. And you you have to be a rather robust person in order to wield this thing. I don't know, it's kind of interesting that over the years, frying pans have been portrayed as uh, something that's utilized in order to attack someone with. It's almost a comical kind of turn. I even think that in the original Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, the young lady in there actually hit someone with a frying pan. And it's almost a comic turn, but people don't understand how heavy these things are. That goes to another point here in the prosecution, Sidney Powell, during her trial, the, the prosecution actually brought this out, the fact that she transitioned weapons. And when we hear transitioning of weapons, that's something most of the time that you think about with like military operators. You know, I transitioned from my M4 carbine rifle to my sidearm. Well, in this particular case, you have Sidney Powell who transitions from an iron skillet to actually a steak knife, Dave, to further her attack against her mother, Brenda. Wow. Now, to go back on this, I was pulling up the actual testimony from Michelle Gaffney. She actually testified that she said, talking about the phone call, that they were on the phone with Brenda. And she said, uh, Dean Frazier was speaking and simply said, Brenda, this is Dean Frazier. I'm sitting here with Michelle Gaffney, our associate dean of students. We're returning your call. And then she says, that's about as far as we got. She said, it was at that moment when the, we're returning your call. And she said, quote, there was a very large 
loud thud sound, like a pounding or a thud accompanied by a, a pretty loud scream. The scream might have actually been first, and then the thud, as I think about it. There was sort of an explosion. Another sound that I heard about that same time, or right after, was sort of like an explosion of air. The air was knocked out of somebody. Now, we've heard the phrase, I had the wind knocked out of me, something along those lines. But she said, another sound that I heard about the same time or right after that was sort of like an explosion of air was knocked out of somebody. Joe, what would that sound like to have the air knocked out? And what would the impact be on the victim who has the wind knocked out of them? It's hard to know. And I found that testimony quite interesting because it's hard to know if what they were hearing was almost a reactive gasp to being struck because even though an individual is being bludgeoned with something, in this case, this skillet, even though they're being bludgeoned with something like this, a heavy object, it doesn't necessarily mean they are literally having, you know, they're being struck in their core and the wind is being knocked out. You know, a lot of us have been falling to the ground or been hit playing some kind of sport and you, you have your wind literally knocked out and you kind of exhale or you're trying to gasp for breath. If an individual were to be struck, for instance, in the back of the head, that could actually disrupt their ability to breathe for a moment where it's it's almost, <gasps> you know, of course you would hear potentially, depending upon the quality of the call, you would actually hear a thud preceding that kind of gasp for air. It would be something that would be partly shock. It would be a physiological reaction to it. But here's the thing, even with the initial strike, you're not going to be able to escape the fact that this individual would not have gone down immediately. Unfortunately, I, I think many people that watch any number of television shows from over the years, it's weird. An actor will take a heavy object and they'll strike somebody in the head and immediately that person collapses. That doesn't happen. If it does happen, the attacker would have to strike the person in the precise location to render them unconscious immediately. It doesn't happen like this. This, again, is a randomized attack. And you've got a young lady wielding an iron skillet attacking her mother. Now, even though this thing is heavy, it's not going to, that first blow is not going to, first off, it's not going to kill her. And secondly, it's less likely that it is going to create an unconscious state at that point in time. She's going to be aware that she is attacked. And the reason I know this is that when an assessment was done on Sidney Powell following this, the fact is she had injuries on her that would be consistent with trying to fend off an attack by someone else. So what that means is there's a probability that Brenda may have attempted to fight back as her daughter is attacking her, not just with the skillet, but also this knife that comes into play as well. What does that mean to you investigating a death when somebody actually changes their equipment? They change their, their tools. I think that's a fantastic point. We talked about transitioning of weapons a moment ago. I think the weight of something like an iron skillet, if you've never held one and you're curious about it, next time you go to the store, particularly if you go to, to a place that has camping equipment, they actually sell 
cast iron there where you can go pick, just pick one of these things up and feel it and you can get the weight of it in your hand and imagine attempting to swing this thing over and over again. Now, when you do that, you'll see that it is cumbersome because it's not made for this purpose. It's different if you're wielding something like a baseball bat. It's got a handle. It's got the barrel of the bat. That's what it's referred to. And I know you know that because you're a baseball player, Dave. But it's it's made for clubbing, right? With a, a frying pan, an iron skillet, if you will. It's got a short handle. You can't leverage the thing really well. And then it's unwieldy because you have the pan portion of it that's deep. And cast iron is very, very heavy. And it's hard to balance. And if you're diminutive in any way, you don't have good upper body strength. And Sydney Powell does not look like she's the fittest of the fit here. After maybe two or three blows, I would think, you would begin to weaken greatly. Adrenaline will only carry you so far. And trust me, there's adrenaline at work here. So if you go from this heavy blunt object, you're looking around, well, what's the most convenient thing that I can do? And it's registering in your mind as the attacker, what has the highest probability of lethality? And the default position, particularly in this case, Dave, is a knife. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There is a, a theme that runs through these events where you have people that are injured multiple times. It goes to things like facial disfiguration. You're not just savagely attacking them for the purpose of killing them, but you're going to the point where you're trying to maim them, to disfigure them because there's so much anger that's involved in this. This goes to the idea that this event, this homicide, was not a planned event. Who in their right mind, and I got to be real careful about using that term because that comes into play in the trial, but who in their right mind would sit there and say, okay, I think it's a good idea to have witnesses, though they be ear witnesses, to this event of me attacking my mother. But on the flip side, this goes to kind of a an idea of thinking beyond whatever kind of psychopathology that you might be dealing with. I got to make this look like something else. And so we're not just talking about this bludgeoning and then we've got multiple sharp force injuries. She actually stabs her mom, what, 30 times in the neck region. I'm going to say that because 30 times in the neck seems to be a bit of overkill. 30 stab wounds approximately because it's real hard and we can get into the nature of those injuries. But now you've got Sidney Powell who goes over and I, didn't she knock in a window, Dave, in order to make it look like, I don't know, what was she trying to make it look like? Well, you know what? I'm, we mentioned that on the phone, you have the administration from Uni Mount Union. They're on the phone still. And after Sydney has used the frying, pa the, the frying pan and had beat her mother's head and everything else and then stabs her, well, they're still on the phone. And Sydney actually picks up the phone and she hears one of them saying, Brenda. And Sydney actually answers, yes, this is Brenda. And the administrator, he knows it's not her. He knows it's Sydney. She sounds different than her mother. She's 19. And he said, Sydney, I know this is you. I know this is not Brenda. And that's when Sydney hung up the phone. They called the police, they being the Mountain Union University. They called 911 and said, hey, man, something bad's going on. We were on the phone, heard a fight break out. We hear screaming. We hear thudding. And that's when Sydney, after she hangs up the phone, she starts thinking, what do I do now? Well, her first thought is stage it to look like a home invasion. And so she breaks the glass in a window to try to make it look like somebody had come inside that house and grabbed a frying pan and a knife and just started doing damage. Now, Sydney did have a couple of wounds on her that required treatment. Now, I don't know what type of wounds they were, but I know that usually when there's a knife being used by somebody, oftentimes they cut themselves. Their hand slips from the blood. So Sydney did have some wounds, but uh, she did try to stage the scene as if there had been a home invasion. Yeah. Here's something that's kind of fascinating about this. Going back to these college administrators that are on the phone, they're in Alliance, Ohio. The Powells didn't live in Alliance, Ohio. 
they lived in Summit County, Ohio. And so the fact that, and this is always fascinating because I've been involved in a couple of cases like this where people have been on the phone and an event has occurred and they're like a distance away from the people that were on the phone. You have to get off the phone and then call another jurisdiction or call your 911 and say, look, we were just talking to this mom and her daughter, and we think that something bad has happened. Can you imagine being on the other end of that line as these administrators? And they're thinking, what did we just hear? What happened? And they obviously think that it's something horrible because now they're calling 911 to send somebody out there. And when, you know, when the police arrived out there, at the scene, it's a horror show. You know, when they show up, you got broken glass. You've got this this young person, this woman, Sydney Powell, who's saying that someone actually came into the house and attacked her mother. Now, why in the world in the family's neighborhood would some random person knock out this glass and attempt to break in and then all of a sudden attack the mother? You know, we've already established that the mother is like, she's regarded by many as like a, an angel on earth, the way she's treated people over the years in the hospital. Who could have any kind of animosity toward this woman? That's the, the shocking thing is that a neighbor actually saw Sydney come running out of the house and in the front yard. It was just this crazy because you Brenda is in the house and Sydney in her whatever state of mind in trying to make it look like there had been a home invasion. She goes out in the front yard. And as this happens, a neighbor hears sirens. They hear all the sirens showing up and everything else. So Sydney did not have an incredibly long period of time to stage this as a scene that would look like it was a, a home invasion. And again, you're talking about daytime. Neighbors are home. In her mind's eye, she's staging it to look like a robber just decided to pick their house and break in and attack for no reason. You know, this angel on earth. And that's that was her thought process, apparently. Yeah. And she understands. And here's the thing. This goes to one of the things that you you try to understand relative to the law and how these cases are evaluated. And certainly I think that insanity came in as a potential defense for Sidney Powell, or it was hinted at that she's got multiple uh, psychological issues that she's having to deal with. And what you try to determine is the idea of menis re, which means guilty mind. And it comes from Latin, menis re, and you're, you know, the person, they're trying to assess them as to whether or not with a guilty mind that they have an awareness of guilt. And then you have to have what's referred to as the actus rei. And the actus rei is the guilty act. And so when you have both of these, and I think I've spoken of this before and will speak of it again, if you have both of those elements together, you get what's referred to as concurrence. So both of those things come together. Did she have a guilty mind? Was she aware that this was wrong? Well, one of the things, if you're going about staging something, when we get there as forensics people, we can try to understand, well, first off, what was the location of the broken glass? Is it the door? What is it consistent with someone trying to knock out, say, a side panel of glass and stick their hand through it and try to open the lock, manipulate the lock to get in? Or is it adjacent to a locked window and you're trying to get access to the locking mechanism, the window, so you can open it and crawl in? And this is very broad terms. If you break the window, is it in a location, let's say that it's at the top of the window? 
Well, why in the world would someone break the top of the window and not break the window in order to facilitate getting in? You know, you can knock glass out of anything, but it doesn't mean it's not going to point towards somebody that's that has organized thought and they're thinking, well, we're we're trying to get into this place in order to steal or harm whoever's in there. You just got broken glass, man. And that's one of the things we're going to look at. And we're also going to look at the direction of the glass. Was the glass broken from the inside and it's blown out or is it broken from the outside and blown in? We'd look at the edges of the glass to see if it's got internal or external beveling, for instance. We're going to check it to see if this area would facilitate a person being able to get into that. And then if we have a suspect in any way that we think may have done something, we're going to look for glass fragments on their clothing. Because clothing, when it comes to broken glass, is something that, you know, the individual could just be covered with. Any kind of glass particles or anything like that, that just doesn't exist here in this particular case. So she was actually charged with tampering with evidence. And I found that very, very interesting relative to the prosecution's case against Sidney Powell, because that goes to this idea of actus rei. Our ministry, where you have not only the guilty act, but you have the guilty mind here, Dave. I got to ask you about back to the stab wounds of the neck and the blunt force from the frying pan. How do you determine what was the cause of death when you've got a frying pan used for beating and a knife? Can you separate the two and say it was this or that, or is it a combination of both? Well, in this particular case, when the medical examiner actually testified at the trial, what they came up with in this particular trial was that the cause of death was a combination of both. And this is why when the medical examiner did their assessment of this blunt force trauma that she would have sustained, they're going to try to see, first off, anatomically, where were these strikes located? And you can assess that externally because with a blunt force strike, you're going to see lacerations. And with lacerations, you have what's referred to as tissue bridging, and they're nasty and they're jagged. And that's interesting because you're also dealing with stab wounds here too, Dave. So stab wounds might look like a laceration, but they're not because there won't be tissue bridging with a stab wound. And that means the edges will be clean because you've got this knife that's being inserted into the tissue. With blunt force trauma, you're literally ripping the skin every time that skillet strikes. If it's if the area is struck hard enough, the that laceration occurs from that blunt force trauma to literally tear the skin. That's why they look so jagged. And you have to assess externally, you know, okay, well, is this a stab wound or is this a laceration? That's why we're very specific when we begin to talk about these things in forensics. Then when you get internally, because it's not just an external examination, and it was certainly not in the case of Brenda, you have to understand what anatomical structures were impacted, first off, within the brain, because she's striking the outside of the skull here. You've got the laceration. You, you're going to have a big focal area of hemorrhage on the outside, more than likely, overlying the external table of the skull. But then when you get into the inside and you look at the brain, there'll be big focal areas of hemorrhage there, and that creates pressure on the brain. And depending upon where she was struck on the brain, that can really compromise her ability to breathe and respire, everything. And then you combine that with the assessment that's done on these multiple stab wounds on the neck. And because there are so many, it's hard to try to understand how many there actually were. And I know that you and I have spoken of this before, Dave, where you have 
such overkill that's going on, you'll have these wounds that are communicating with one another. So you can have a stab wound on top of a stab wound. And so we can't really assess the order that these actually came in. We can only enumerate them. And then it's going to be totality of the injuries that's going to lead to her death. And it certainly was in the case of Brenda Powell. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.